You're listening to VESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 44. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Lavin and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Всем привет! Hey, son! Hey, son! We, we are at QED. So that's we are why at QED doing our first uh, recording together. together. In the same Sitting room. in the same room. Looking at each other and wow. going, oh dear. Makes such a <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> so, yeah. It does make such a difference. It's, it's, it's a lovely thing. So we, sh- we should do it more often. Or <laughs> should do if only QED we didn't live often. on different continents. Yeah, yeah. 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 or continents. We're, Uh, countries, on, uh, different countries. And yeah. just just quickly mentioning because it, we don't have too much time. No, we are preparing for, for the gala dinner. Of we are we very have lots excited of things about to do. the gala dinner. Yes, uh, we Cannot don't have too high excited. hopes, uh, but um, that gala dinner will include it'll be fun. Or Whatever happens, it'll be fantastic. Time. Entertainment yeah. uh, will include uh, something that um, we are very excited about. That is the the Ockham Awards. Um, Let the best podcast win. That's, yes, all, that's all I'm gonna say. So far, so far, this weekend has been a blast, yes. and uh, it's only the first day, and yeah. we still have a day to go. Yeah, yeah. and we've already Amazing learned so many stuff. wonderful things. Like, for example, the the uh, uh, main principle of science is: Did you know, guys, that um, everything looks better no matter how boring it is under the microscope? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh. <laughs> Who would have thought? I know, right? He was phenomenal. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, everybody's here is phenomenal. That's I mean, right. the, I haven't seen anything that was remotely bad. Everything is fantastic. Everything and everybody's so kind. Everybody's lovely. And yes. and um, the amount of people that we we bump into from different countries as well. So it's yeah. so international as well. It's yeah. a largely international event. Yes. Um, we've uh, we've met uh, Diana and uh, Joao from, from in Portugal. Real life, Portugal. Yes. yes, great to um, hang out with them. Yep. Sure. Uh, Ralph from um, from uh, Germany from uh, Group, yep. yeah. and uh, here uh, um, here there are uh, other guys like uh, Leon Kurtevech, uh, Vera de Koch uh, from uh, Guerrilla Skepticism Wikipedia. They're from the, sure. the Netherlands. There's um, Ka- uh, Catherine de Jong here as well. Yeah. Um, Claire Klingenberg, yes, from the Czech. Um, yeah. um, people that we know, Sisyphos. but some of them we haven't even met, no. even though we know them. Yeah, we know them online. Them. We yeah. interviewed yeah. them, and there's all and the Scots. Yeah. I mean, we have we All have Mark, Mark and Sean and Eggman and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. great Heather, yeah yeah so yeah we could go on sorry guys if we leave out someone uh, but we all love you and 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 it's a great experience meeting you in person and uh, yeah um, but I think because we don't have too much time nope. uh, just let me just mention quickly them. one more thing before Andres runs, runs yeah, up yeah 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 um, Andres gave a talk at Skeptic Camp and it was absolutely amazing. And we do have a video recording of it, so I think our listeners can look forward to uh, watching it at some point on YouTube and we'll keep you posted. And it was really, really great. Yeah, that is uh, not a secret anymore that we are planning to start a YouTube channel as well. Um, so, yeah, that, that will be available on YouTube if it is worth having a look at. So, well, yeah, we'll have to look at it. Yeah, we have to, <laughs> we'll have to find out if, if it's 
okay. Um, I don't know. No, well, the, the, the talk was Bias, good, but yeah. if you filmed it just with an iPhone, so... Yeah. so well, it depends on our operator should here. The should be fine, should, should be, be fine. Okay. Pontus was right. the operator. Yeah. Um, so shoot me. <laughs> should, should, should go smoothly. Yeah, otherwise and, we would uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, uh, all right, so, are we ready? Yes. Indeed. Okay, yes. Yeah. let's crack on with uh, events. Events. Yes. Next week. Lots of them. We just discussed that people are absolutely crazy. A lot of the, a lot of those people who are are uh, here are also organizers of different skeptics in the pub events. And turns out a lot of these events will be happening next week, which is crazy. Uh, after, yeah. after so much energy! Oh my energy. god! Just, yeah. All right. Amazing. Okay. Hope their turnouts will be will be pretty good as yeah. well. All right. So let's let's get on with it. So already uh, on Monday, uh, there are uh, an event, there's a, a sort of follow-up event from this, the Podolfall in Glasgow. It's with uh, the Cognitive Dissonance guys and the Scathing Atheists. They are from America, they're here doing live recordings, but they will go to Glasgow on Monday to do uh, Skeptics in the Pub, and they will then continue on Tuesday doing the same thing in Edinburgh. So that's the first two things that happen. Yeah, that's, that's how fun <laughs> it is. Yes, and uh, yeah, it's um, a bit more serious. Uh, what I'm going to be talking about that's uh, on the next day, which is Tuesday, the 18th of October, and uh, it's happening in Budapest. Uh, the Hungarian Skeptic Society has a regular um, every month. We host um, a Skeptics Club event, which is um, uh, organized around um, an interesting topic. This time, this interesting topic will be uh, how to make good decisions related to health. And on the same day, Tuesday the 18th, in Leicester, um, there will be an event um, called Compare Tracking Switched Outcomes um, in Clinical Trials and Trying to Correct the Record. Okay, the talk is about how and why the science is broken. And then the next day, on Wednesday the 19th, uh, uh, there will be an event in Reading, and the theme will be Brief History of Everyone Who Ever Lived with Adam Rutherford. That's a m m massive task to... Uh, or, you know, maybe a long speech, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Possibly. Well, Could if Adam Rutherford gives a speech, uh, I I would be able to listen to it for hours. That's um, he's a very good speaker. Uh, but on the on on the same day, uh, there are two other events: Coventry um, Skeptics in the Pub, um, a talk given by Joe Susak and Kleena Jordan. Uh, the title is "Our Broken Democracy and How Proportional Representation Can Fix It." Uh, I have doubts, um, but um, that would, must be an interesting talk. At the same time, on Wednesday the 19th, Gravesend Skeptics in the Pub will be happening as well, with Professor Chris Rhodes, and uh, the interesting question will be raised of what happens when the oil runs out. Mm. Then we all fucked, but my friend. We, we just heard today, we just heard a um, uh, talk on... Uh, how the future future looks from from the present, and um, it was very interesting, including our uh, questions about the oil to be used in the future, uh, or uh, how alternative energies can can really gain ground. All right, on Thursday, uh, the Swedish skeptics in Gothenburg, Jöteborg, uh, they will visit the local uh, uh, observatory. And if the weather is bad and they can't, if there are clouds and they can't see the 
see the stars. Then they will have a, a, a local tour and there will be somebody who will uh, have give a speech. Then crazy people in Edinburgh, they're not happy with the week. So they are doing something on Thursday as well. Evidence-based eating. What do we know with Catherine Collins? That's very interesting. Hot topic, always. Hot topic, yes. At the same time, in Bedford, uh, apparently our brain hates us. Uh, and Andrew Dart is going to tell, uh, say talk about that. He'll he'll tell us why. <laughs> he'll tell us yeah. why, yeah, why. Um, and then we've got a couple of events on a Saturday the 22nd. First one is in Amersfoort, um, Skeptics Congress um, 2016, um, with the theme Unconvinced by Science. So that sounds very intriguing. And uh, the second event is happening in Stockholm on the same day. Um, and it's going to be a Skeptoberfest, a play on words there, combination of, you know, October and skepticism. Yeah. Um, skeptical drinking when it's at its best. <laughs> skeptical drinking. Yes. So it's a, it's a Swedish equivalent of Oktoberfest? I, I have never been to I that. I wonder, so but, it, but it would make sense, you know, lots of beer and uh, singing and talking about skepticism or maybe even singing about skepticism I don't know yeah. come and find out but on that very same day Saturday the 20, 22nd um, Brussels will um, host the Skeptics in the Pub event as well uh, with uh, Quentin Royan um, I'm, I'm hoping that this is a way to pronounce the name uh, properly and I'm not butchering it too much The question is, is philosophy useful? Interesting question. Isn't oh, it? that's, that's it's, controversial. It's, it is Very controversial. Some people especially, have uh, put their foot in more... their mouth a couple of times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Even, even the great Neil deGrasse Tyson oh, well. has Indeed. been yes. criticized yes. for that yes, yes, yes. Um, many, many times. Yeah. All right. I do think this is all we have, uh, at least that we know of, um, for the next week. But uh, please go check out our... Uh, events calendar on uh, the ESP.eu um, and you'll find that under the menu item called events in Europe. But if you want to share with us some information about upcoming events, you can uh, contact yeah. us. You, you can indeed and you should. Um, you can email us and our email address is info at the ESP.eu. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle is at espodcast.core.eu um, You can also um, go on our website theesp.eu and fill in the contact form or follow us on Facebook and also if you do like our podcast and what we do please go to iTunes and leave us uh, a nice um, review uh, preferably five stars you know <laughs> and that will help us very much thank you yeah thank you And I think now it's about time to uh, move on uh, with the show and um, for our listeners to start listening to our pre-recorded interview with uh, Klaus Larsen from the Absolutely. Danish, yeah, sure, the Danish Skeptica. Mm. On every other episode, we interview a person representing an organization or project, either from a certain European country or stretching across borders. Today we have here with us Klaus Larsen, skeptical activist from Skeptica, a network of independent groups of skeptics in Denmark. He is also the editor of the online magazine Skeptic Report and is widely known for his expertise in conspiracy theories. Klaus, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. Happy to have you here. 
um, if it was uh, for for a usual uh, moment uh, with a, a skeptical organization with a long name, a long title, I would ask you to say it in your language. But how would it go with Skeptica? Skeptica. Skeptica. Ah, okay. So I did make a mistake of of pronouncing it. No, no. You're forgetting. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. So I understand it's an organization, but it's not an organization really. So how do we need to understand how how Skeptica is existing and how it works? Well, it's an old network in skepticism. It's from originally 1980. It was originally formed by Willy Wiener, who is still active within the network. And uh, it just took off from there. So slowly but steadily, we've grown to about more than 40 people uh, in the network. And they range from academics, teachers, librarians, scientists, and magicians. And then me, I'm an, an IT consultant. So we, we are a non-profit public service. Uh, you know, we help uh, the public with inquiries and investigate claims of pseudoscience and superstition and paranormal phenomena. So you are in the public eye? Uh, oh, yeah. You, you do appear on TV, on radio, and uh, obviously you all have your own uh, projects as well, like you do with, uh, with Skeptic Report, right? Well, the uh, network is uh, mostly internal. Um, whenever someone has a problem or uh, we have a news story, uh, some of us will get together uh, or just one of us and write an article about uh, what happens in uh, the news. For instance, uh, right now we have a case of uh, a young girl, Emilia Meng, who uh, disappeared without a trace. And this is very rare in Denmark because pe people don't go lost. They don't get lost in, uh, in Denmark. It's not a big country, is it? Wow. No, not really. No, <laughs> it's very difficult to get lost even. But of course, the psychics have flocked to solve the mystery of this missing girl. And uh, they've been very unsuccessful, of course. But the latest uh, effort has been to create a Facebook page. Imagine that. Psychics, they need a Facebook page to connect with each other. <laughs> that means they are not very psychic, are they? So... Uh, <laughs> Those are the, that would be a typical thing that we would comment on. Uh, we're very uh, nice to people. We don't mock uh, the superstitious, uh, but uh, we also try to see things with a sense of humor. We're a very uh, relaxed uh, people in Denmark, so we can get away with uh, a lot more uh, humorous stuff than you could in other countries. Uh, like what? Did you, for example, take part in uh, the 2011 Homeopathy Nothing In It campaign? Yes and no. Uh, no, we didn't. Uh, uh, but yes, we did homeopathically <laughs> in in that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you participated by taking no homeopathy. That That's really good. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It worked. Yeah. It worked. It, oh, okay, yeah, cool. <laughs> so, uh, but when you when you say there are humorous activities as well, uh, what do you mean by that? So, how how should we imagine that? Well, we uh, we often to take the uh, the uh, look at the funny side of superstition. Uh, for instance, the in the case with the psychics needing a Facebook page uh, to get in contact with each <laughs> other and uh, <laughs> something like I mean. That, that is, sometimes I wonder what they are thinking, because seriously, as psychi uh, psychics who, who need that, what are you thinking, guys? 
But the, <laughs> that's the, that's probably the case. They are not thinking about what they are doing. They just do it. They are so convinced that they are psychic that they don't stop to realize that they're not. <laughs> Come on, that that's kind of funny, you know. Yeah. You said that there are different, you said about 40 uh, members of this Skeptica network. And I know of the skeptics in the pub in Copenhagen, yeah. because I, I've met you there as well. And, and we've been there, I've been there a couple of times. Um, how, how many different skeptics in the pub uh, activities are there or, or what other kinds of activities are happening? Uh, well, uh, Copenhagen Skeptics in the pub is a separate uh, entity from us. Uh, oh, they have uh, tons of uh, d- very different uh, speakers. Uh, they've had uh, subjects like uh, music and skepticism, and they have uh, they've had a series of uh, food-related uh, myths uh, that's been very interesting. They've also had one of the things they um, they don't always invite skeptics as speakers. They also invite the other side, uh, the dark side, if you like. Um, and those are usually the most interesting because y- you got to give it uh, to the other side. They are brave to show up at uh, events like that because they know they're going to get a lot of tough questions. So uh, those, are, those uh, sessions are always very interesting. But again, they are also very uh, friendly. Uh, well, on the surface, of course, uh, uh, but... <laughs> yeah, well, what I mean is we don't uh, end up uh, hitting each other on the head. And that, I, I mean, that, that, that's the way it should be. I mean, we can agree to disagree. And um, while we may have the, the right answer, uh, they are entitled to their uh, wrong answers. So that's the Copenhagen skeptics in the pub. Yes. But what about the Danish skeptical movement in general? Uh, I understand that there is no national skeptical organization. Is it very fractured? No, 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 not at all. Uh, we simply just haven't uh, gotten around to uh, creating a, an organization as such. Um, we are currently uh, thinking about uh, creating one, but um, we don't really know how, how it, uh, the details are, are going to be. So things are set in motion, but you'll have to wait. Are there skeptics in the pub activities in other towns than in, in Copenhagen? Uh, no, I don't think so. Uh, there ought to be. It's not that difficult to uh, to start. But uh, as far as I know, there's only one in Copenhagen. But that is also very, that's very um, uh, successful. Mm-hmm. It's very well run. So, uh, Klaus, you have been uh, an active skeptics for a quite a long time now. How did you become a skeptic? And how did you discover the skeptic movement and got involved? It was a strange uh, way of doing it. Um, I was uh, in 2000. I moved to uh, from Denmark to uh, the U.S. to New York City, and on the on the plane over, uh, I got a book uh, by some. It was uh, an anthology by some Danish skeptics, and I found that very very interesting. When I lived in New York, uh, I found other skeptics uh, there and mostly uh, on uh, the, the James Randi Educational Foundation. Uh, Randi had started a forum there. I found a lot of uh, skeptics, both in the US, in New York, and also some in Denmark. So when I moved back to Denmark in 2003, I, uh, I got more involved there uh, with uh, the Danish uh, skeptics in Skeptica. 
and well, it just escalated. Am I right in assuming then, if you were there in New York, that you were uh, in New York when 9-11 happened? Yes. Because that had uh, an impact on your skeptical uh, career, if you will. Yeah, not at first, uh, because um, 9-11, that was the longest day in my life. Uh, We didn't lose any friends or family members or anything like that, but it was still a huge shock. Uh, My involvement with um, 9-11 conspiracy theories uh, started in Denmark in 2009 on September 11th. Uh, No less, uh, I came across uh, um, by accident at the town hall square in Copenhagen. Uh, a demonstration of truthers, Danish truthers, and mm. uh, I thought that looked interesting, so I talked to some of the uh, truthers, and immediately they lied to me, and that is not a good way to start a relationship with me. Don't <laughs> lie to me. I really don't like that. So I got a little pissed because... Um, who are these people? I had heard about the conspiracy theories about 9-11, but uh, I hadn't really expected them to, to, to find it so close to home. So I went home and first I wrote an article for Skeptica about my meeting with them. And uh, then I uh, came across, um, I was contacted by Steen Svenholm, also a Danish skeptic, uh, who later became a, a member of uh, Skeptica. And he and I started 9-11 Facts Decay, that's the uh, only uh, site in Denmark, uh, in Danish, that investigates the many conspiracy theories surrounding the terror attack on September 11th, 2001. As of now, we have investigated close to 100 of the most popular conspiracy theories, but of course there are many more. Why conspiracy theories? What is there in conspiracy theories that you find really appealing and, and, and interesting to, do, to examine and investigate? I don't know if I find them appealing, uh, quite the contrary, but uh, I see... Appalling, uh, instead? Appalling, yes. Appalling, <laughs> yeah. that's the word. It's historical revisionism at its core. It's trying to rewrite history, what happened. And uh, as you know, history is important because it tells us who we are, why we are here, why, why we are who we are. And if people try to... Uh, rewrite that for ideological reasons or for whatever other reasons, that's a very serious issue. Uh, we see it with the uh, conspiracy theories of on uh, hol- the Holocaust, you know, the systematic uh, extermination uh, of the Jews by the Nazis. Yeah. If the conspiracy theories, uh, the Holocaust deniers, succeed, that means that about 6 million Jews were never killed. Mm. And that's incredibly important. Uh, Turkey today ha- still has a lot of problems acknowledging the Armenian genocide in 1915, yeah. where about what uh, a million and a half Armenians were systematically killed by the Turks. This is, I think, even it's uh, illegal in Turkey to say that the Armenian genocide happened. Really? Ooh. Yeah, that, uh, that's, a, that's a very serious uh, issue when the government starts to decide what happened in the past. Mm. Yeah, and uh, unfortunately what's going on now in Turkey uh, in that regard is copied by by many, many others around the globe and even in Europe, which is terrible every single time we have, have a show. I come up with, uh, with the Hungarian government. 
they're trying to re rewrite everything that happened this can this can happen in many other places as well so this is this is a disturbing thought but you deal with the psychological aspect of uh, conspiracy theories as well right yeah if i oh, yeah. if i may round off the uh, historical revisionism thing uh, conspiracy theories uh, they are uh, a threat to democracies because when you say that uh, the government decides what happens what happened in the past uh, conspiracy theories also undermine the necessary trust in the power structure i mean uh, de democracies we need elected officials and uh, uh, central administration to work for us. Mm. And we should always be vigilant about those in power, but we also need a certain level of trust. If we constantly suspect our leaders to plot against us, then we can't have a democracy anymore. No. And, if our, and if our leaders uh, try to uh, eradicate our history, we don't have that uh, trust anymore. So uh, we need to keep that balance but when conspiracy theories become public policy, that's uh, th then you can't have a democracy anymore. We need that a certain kind of trust, and you can't have that. For instance, uh, it horrifies me to hear what uh, goes on in Hungary. It's terrible because Hungary is uh, part of the European Union, mm -hmm. so that reflects on the whole uh, of Europe as as well. So yeah. that, that, that's, yeah, I know that in Italy, for instance, one of the biggest uh, political parties, uh, I think it's called the Five Star Movement, it's one of the most uh, popular uh, parties. They have conspiracy theories uh, as uh, part of the uh, ideological uh, foundation. That is yeah. serious. What's the case in Denmark? Our research has uh, revealed that uh, there is absolutely no uh, support for conspiracy theories among the established parties. Uh, we did find one uh, candidate, but that was from a. Uh, it's a. Uh, we have a one of the religious uh, cults. I suppose we can call them that. Uh, Fatherhuset. Uh, that's in English. It's the Father House. It's a very Christian re religious uh, sect. They also have a, tried to start a political party. Uh, and their candidate uh, supports 9-11 uh, conspiracies theories. But um, all the others, they have absolutely no uh, support for that. So in that effect, in that sense, yeah, it's, it's going well. However, a lot of Danes, they believe in not just uh, conspiracies about 9-11, but a lot of other conspiracies. Uh, one of the tabloid uh, newspapers, Extrabladet, uh, they have a debate forum. And uh, one of these uh, threats had uh, a poll where they uh, asked people to vote if there should be an official investigation of chemtrails. You know, the conspiracy theories that uh, uh, the contrails of the passenger planes uh, up high up in the sky, yeah. that's, that's really uh, poison that's been put in the, in the uh, fuel, jet fuel, and then it's raining down on us all. And there were 33,000 Danes who had signed that petition. That's a lot of people. Yeah. But I'm happy that it's not the politicians themselves, because we have those politicians yeah. in the Swedish uh, parliament who has uh, moved to do things like that. So. Which party? I, 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 let me guess. <laughs> those are on the uh, left. Well, right? you know, uh, yes. The Swedish Democrats? Th they are. Yes. Oh, 
There are actually a, a few different parties that has uh, been investigating that or wanted to investigate that. So it's not as uncommon as you think. But you said the Swedish Democrats, they are very much right wing. You, you have talk, talk, talked about the Swedish Democrats yes. uh, oh. and, and their wrongdoings on the latest episode. But there are other parties as well in Sweden. But uh, wow. Okay. That surprises me a little bit because uh, usually in uh, Europe, the conspiracy theories, especially about uh, 9-11, they are usually from the uh, left side of the uh, political spectrum, while in the United States, you find them on the very right-wing uh, side. So how do these these two sides of the truth movement, how do they find each other? And um, from Europe, it's the left, and from the United States, it's from the right the enemy of your enemy is your friend. Mm. They, they try to, uh, they kind of uh, find each other in their common hatred for the establishment, especially in the United States. Mm. Uh, I could imagine that uh, the same happened uh, with the political parties in uh, Sweden, that they have a common ground in conspiracy theories. Yeah. Yes, you're right. And, and we have it on the left as well, the Green Party mm. and, and some of the other, it's usually the smaller parties that, Christian Democrats as well have, have had uh, some suggestions. So. Okay, yeah. Interesting, in Hungary, uh, the chemtrail, it's already died out in a way, but uh, it was more inclined towards the, the nationalistic views, uh, the chemtrail thing, the chemtrail movement. Well, wow, so um, very interesting. Could you actually find conspiracy theories that were based on some amount of truth? Oh, yeah. Uh, conspiracy theories, they often have a grain of truth uh, embedded in them. Take, for instance, uh, the conspiracy theory that, uh, you know, the UFO that supposedly crashed in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947 with yeah. uh, a couple of uh, aliens on board. Yeah. Uh, that is supposedly stored at uh, Area 51, a secret uh, military base uh, somewhere in the Nevada desert. The grain of truth in that is that there is an Area 51 uh, air, uh, base. It's being dismantled now, as uh, I understand it. But uh, that lends itself some credibility to the conspiracy theory. So when the conspiracy theories theorists uh, they can uh, they talk about uh, Area 51 and the aliens, they point to yeah, but uh, look, look, the Area 51 it it exists. Therefore, the rest of their tale must be true. So, yeah, uh, you can often find a little grain of truth in it, but every time two or more people get together to do something uh, illegal or to hurt other people, that's a conspiracy. When you find evidence of that conspiracy, th th that's a conspiracy. Conspiracy theories are conspiracies without evidence. It's pretty simple. Le we hold lectures uh, all over Denmark where we explain this, that we always get this uh, question that uh, what is a conspiracy theory? It's a conspiracy without evidence. And people seem to, uh, they, they get that uh, straight. Um, so you're not just focusing on, on um, Danish issues only. Um, is that right? I mean, uh, we've noticed that you are, are often uh, blogging in English. Oh, no. Uh, conspiracy theories, uh, they are very much global. Yeah. Uh, you can find them anywhere in the world. 
especially in North Korea, I suppose. They're very attractive to people because uh, we have, we've, Steen and I have uh, um, done a lot of research on why people believe something that is obviously not true. And uh, we've looked at um, the psychological uh, studies. They've begun, those have begun to come out in the past 10 or 15 years, something like that. Uh, it hasn't really been a, uh, an area where psychologists have been, uh, that have interested the psychologists, but uh, they're beginning to come along and um, we've kind of drawn from all of those we could find and come up with some kind of explanation. It's probably, uh, it's a work in progress, but we, ha- I, we think we have an explanation as to why people become conspiracy theorists. It takes two requirements. One, people have to be predispositioned to become uh, conspiracy theorists. They have to have experienced some kind of loss of trust, primarily to the system. They uh, uh, they may have had a bad experience uh, with the local council or uh, they had a, uh, their taxes uh, revoked or uh, something like that that made them lose confidence in the uh, system. But it also, a lot of people experience that uh, without becoming conspiracy theorists. So you need something else and that's what we call a re- revelation. We haven't met one single conspiracy theorist who hasn't had the revelation. All of a sudden, at once, everything becomes clear to the person. Now he knows why he has uh, experienced all these bad things and why bad things happen in the world as such. It's because somebody is out to hurt people, and especially themselves. And that's the revelation. Everything becomes clear. They get an explanation, and then they uh, regain control with their lives because of now they have something or someone to blame for everything bad that happens in the world. That is a huge uh, experience for them. It's a life-changing experience for them. So in your opinion, all conspiracy theorists are sincere and they actually believe in what they're doing. Oh yeah. There, there, there's oh, yeah. nobody who is trying, you know, in it only for the money. I don't know if there's any money, but compared to health scams and stuff like that, it's, it's not about money, it's, it's about conviction. Well, yes and no. Um, for most conspiracy theorists, uh, it's purely belief. It's and it's a very strongly held belief. But we also have a small group, as is always the case in any kind of uh, superstitious uh, or false belief uh, group. The top, they have been in it so long, and they've met so much criticism. They've heard all the uh, criticism. They know. They are aware of the facts and yet they persist in pursuing what is not true. Uh, Robert Park, I don't know if you've uh, read his book, um, uh, Voodoo Science. No. It's a very good book um, where he uh, touches upon the subject from foolishness to fraud. We have expanded that. When people tell you something that isn't true, they are not necessarily lying. If I told you, Pontus, if I have a Ferrari in my garage, and you told Andrea Andras, that Klaus, he has a, a Ferrari in his garage, you would be saying something that isn't true because I don't have a garage. Okay, I don't have a Ferrari either, <laughs> but uh, you would not be lying. You would just be stating yeah. something that isn't true. But now that you know that I have neither of those two, if you told Andras Klaus has a Ferrari in his garage, 
you would be lying. You have crossed from foolishness to fraud because now you are aware of the facts. The top level uh, in conspiracy uh, theory movement uh, movements, they are aware of what they are saying is not true. Richard Gage, for instance, uh, he's head of uh, architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth, possibly the biggest uh, organization in the truth movement. He is fully aware of the facts, yet he persists in saying things that are not true. You're entitled to your own opinion, but you're not entitled to your own facts. Very important. Well, I, I think it applies to all uh, kinds of uh, false beliefs because we cannot, we cannot expect people to know what we know. We have a huge responsibility in letting people know that, that hey, what they believe is not true, verifiably, evidentially not true. And most people, when you tell them uh, that they are wrong, they have never heard the, uh, the facts. The question is then, what do they do? They have a choice there. And our job, I think, as skeptics, is also to explain that, you know what? If you want the truth, can you handle it? You know, we might not uh, uh, play it out like uh, Jack Nicholson in the, <laughs> in that movie. Uh, that was not a very good way of doing it. But you know, in a in a friendly way, uh, truth may hurt, but it also requires you to rethink what you believe. So, do you want the truth, or do you want to go and believe something that I can prove is not true? And when you uh, pose it like that, you get people to think. Most people will stop and think, hmm, am I too married with this idea or do I want the truth? And I, I really think that most people, they are suckers for the truth. But it takes them a little while to uh, overcome that they have been wrong. That's a big camel to swallow, as we say here in Denmark. Uh, but I also think that the reason why people believe in different conspiracy theories, they don't have to be as big as 9-11. Mm-hmm. or chemtrails. They can be like small ones. Yes. I think it's the uh, part of human nature and the, the way that brain works and sometimes misfires to make the sense about the world around us. Because mm-hmm. we're having to live our lives by processing so many different impulses every single second uh, to make sure that we don't you know, die on a daily basis. And so our brain processes a lot of information. And so we don't die daily. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. once you die, you can't die again. So I guess that's, that wasn't a very good uh, formulation of my, my thought. But th- you know what I mean? And so the brain finds these, you know, easy ways to connect certain information in, in, in a way and then, mis- well, comes up with all this nonsense. Um, so it doesn't, you know, we don't have to say certain category of people prone to conspiracy theories because I think we all are in a way and like I said let's not go to big conspiracy theories we need to be aware that we're all prone to it and as part of being human um, and so being skeptical is a great way to try to avoid falling into the trap of thinking certain ways absolutely I mean uh, skeptics you are not a better person just because you're a skeptic uh, you know, not uh, ethically, morally, or whatever, uh, because we are all subject to these false beliefs. The key in being a skeptic is that you are somewhat better to recognize when you are close to falling into the trap of false beliefs. But we also need other skeptics to keep us in line, because sometimes we simply don't see it ourselves when we are heading down the wrong, the, 
mm. uh, to the dark side. Yeah. Every everyone can have false beliefs. Absolutely. Yeah. You have to be reflective and self-reflective as well. Yes. But then um, even even if you have the facts, you still have to kind of overcome problems, um, barriers um, elevated by uh, cognitive dissonance and uh, the, the feeling of being married to a certain idea and, and the invested energy and time um, in into some kind of belief that uh, turns out not to be true. And this is why I really like your approach, your very nice and very kind approach of trying to educate people instead of mocking them for believing believing in something. Because once you hit someone very hard with brute force, then it will match with an equal amount and uh, an equal amount of counterforce. Oh yeah, and that's when you just alienate people and you end up having two opposing sides. Everyone jumps on the bandwagon and let's fight. This is not gonna solve the problem. No, but that said, it doesn't mean that uh, we shouldn't also point out that there are serious consequences in false beliefs because superstition kills. This is deadly. This is not just uh, a harmless belief, especially in alternative uh, treatments. I'm not going to call it medicine. That kills people because it uh, makes them uh, stop taking the uh, ordinary medicine or they don't seek uh, the advice of doctors or maybe uh, whatever they uh, herb, herbal thing they take might influence uh, the medicine that they uh, do take. But the alternative uh, uh, Wizards, uh, they never get blamed when uh, people die. It's always the doctors. So, yeah, it's dangerous to believe something that is not true. It can kill you, and it can kill your children and your loved ones. That is important. But you can do it in a nice way, of course. But, yeah, it's dangerous, okay? It's not harmless. I can't think of any false belief uh, in superstition that isn't harmful in some way. So, yeah, we need to get that across as well. This is serious shit, people. Okay? If I may say that. Yes, you may. Yeah. <laughs> Indeed. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> How can you be sure about the facts these days? My uh, example would be that uh, when 9-11 uh, truthers say that uh, a tower would not collapse the way it did and um, it's, it's physics and how, how it happened and they claim to know things that, that are very hard to, to dig out whether they, there is a truth to them. How I, I would I approach it? Well, my first question would be, what did you expect uh, when you saw the pl uh, planes hit the towers. I mean, yes, it's true that uh, high-rise steel frame, they have never uh, uh, collapsed before, but yeah, well, uh, high-rise uh, steel frames have never been hit by uh, big airplanes before, so what did you expect? When something like that happens, uh, unprecedented, all bets are off, nobody knows what the heck is going to happen, so what did you expect? Another approach would be, wait a second, you are saying this now in 2016, but when you saw it in 2001 on September 11th, you didn't think controlled uh, demolition. No, you didn't. That had, you, you thought that when you were told that they looked like controlled uh, demolition. Uh, so you had to get this messenger to tell you that what it was what it was you were really seeing 
but don't don't give me this that oh it has to it has to be controlled uh, demolition because that's what it looked like no it wasn't not to you not on september 11 2001 not to anyone that came later so that argument that's not convincing and i think um, they don't like that uh, uh, those those types of uh, explanations but um, to me they're very con- convincing klaus Tell us a little bit about Skeptic Report and uh, what it is, who is writing there, and what it is. And, and is it a? Di- you said it's not a blog before before we started recording. It's not a blog. It's a st- online magazine. What 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 is it? Well, uh, I started it in uh, 2002 because I had noticed a lot of people were identifying as skeptics, uh, but they didn't have a place to publish their writings. And uh, since I'm an uh, an IT consultant. And I've done a lot of websites. I decided to simply start a website where they could, uh, people could send in the articles, and I would publish them. And then, then they would have a place to see what they had written, and others could uh, see it as well. In 2002, uh, the modern-day skepticism was a very, very small group of people, mainly from the JRIF uh, forum. And uh, but today there are. I, a couple of hundreds uh, of articles there. I'm currently in the process of uh, giving it the old rehaul. Uh, I'm thinking about different ways to go, but um, uh, that's what all uh, websites need uh, once in a while. So, but, but this is uh, all in English, right? So everybody can read it. Oh yeah, yeah. yes. I, d- I decided to uh, make it in English. Uh, we uh, with 911 Facts TK, uh, we've uh, written it uh, solely in Danish. But we are also considering uh, or in the process of uh, translating every article to English as well. Because whether you like it or not, English is the lingua franca of the world. And that's that's the way it is. And that, that that's okay with us because uh, everybody in Denmark uh, basically knows uh, English. And I suppose that's the case in most countries as well, hopefully, at least in the Western world. It has to be in English if you want to reach a lot of people. Um, Klaus, can, can you tell us a little bit about your current projects and activities, apart from debunking the conspiracy theorists? Oh, I have too much on my plate. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, some I can't tell you about because they're a little bit secret. Uh, we have we have different networks as uh, skeptics, and uh, some I'm I'm working with some of the skeptics with uh, on some projects that are kind of secret. Maybe they'll gel into something that can be uh, revealed to the public and maybe not. Um, it's always a good thing to have uh, something up your sleeve. Uh, let's see, what am I doing uh, next? Well, I, uh, recently I just uh, wrote an article, uh, a chapter for an anthology, a big fat anthology called uh, The Myth of an Afterlife. It's uh, edited by Michael Martin and Keith Augustine. Uh, Keith Augustine you'll know from infidel.org. I wrote that about uh, uh, some psychic research that uh, Gary Schwartz, if you've heard about him, he did on some psychics, in uh, American psychics, uh, a couple of years back. And supposedly, this Gary Schwartz, he uh, proved that psychic abilities were real. And of course, the, I've looked into that uh, claim uh, in uh, detail. And uh, Keith uh, Augustine, he approached me if, if I would uh, write a chapter for his uh, anthology, and I agreed, and um, yeah, it it came out this uh, last summer, I think. It's a huge book of 600 pages. 
it, but it's it's a um, it's a very it was a very exciting uh, project to be part of. So it it consists uh, of uh, uh, chapters by people like uh, Susan Blackmore and uh, there's a long list of uh, authors there. It's a it's a big book. It's pretty expensive, but you can find just about anything worth uh, arguing about whether there's an afterlife or not. The very short answer is, no, there isn't. There isn't an afterlife. <laughs> you could have wrote, written a but, much shorter book then. Yeah, but, you know, uh, it's <laughs> that answer will not compel the believers to change no. their minds. It, the problem is you, you, you won't be able to convince them with facts either because they, it's all about feelings. Absolutely. How. Absolutely. And how they feel. So it's well, a tricky one, isn't it? Absolutely. Superstition is very much a question of emotional be- uh, mm. belief, emotionally based belief. But you still need the arguments because otherwise yeah. it would just be skeptics saying, no, there isn't. Yes, that's and, right. And, no. and then we are done with that. <laughs> and then we can all go home. That's and not also- what skepticism is. Actually, there is one thing I have to point out quickly that uh, we know for a fact that ESP is real. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a very clever name, by the way. <laughs> very, 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 very good choice. Thank you. Uh, before we leave the book, did you say the name of the book and is it available as uh, on as an ebook? Uh, yes, it is. Uh, the book is called "The Myth of an Afterlife." It's an anthology, the case against life after death. It's edited by Michael Martin and Keith Augustine, and you can find it on Amazon. Great. It's a bit pricey, but uh, personally, I think it's very worth it. Absolutely. Not just because I contributed a <laughs> chapter, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it's very, uh, uh, some of the uh, chapters are very academic, but it's very readable as well. It's uh, available, uh, uh, It's the English is understandable by just about anyone. So I highly recommend it. Absolutely. Oh, uh, yeah. It's it, it's an interesting topic to, to to talk about the afterlife. Oh yeah, especially with people who experienced, you know, who saw the light. <laughs> yes, go into the light. Go into the light. Yes. Yeah, there is <laughs> well, always an eyewitness, isn't there? Yeah. Well, my main problem with the that kind of uh, uh, experience is uh, how do you know you're close to death? <laughs> because you don't know that you're close to death until you are actually dead. So. Uh, I mean, lots of people have been close to death. Yeah, but they came back. They're still alive. So can you really say that they've been close to death? It may yeah, be. Yeah, how close? A, yeah, how close are you to death? <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So it, it's a bit of a semantical uh, uh, argument, but yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, we, it can be argued that we are all close to death. Yeah, of course. I mean, I... I mean, Any minute now. <laughs> yes, yeah. of course. So, Yeah. That it's a bad argument. It's a bad uh, way of approaching life at any uh, rate. I mean, yeah. I mean, we could all die in the next second, but why worry about that? <laughs> so you talk a lot about those topics, which is great. Those are fantastic and very intriguing topics, uh, both conspiracy theories and uh, um, psychics and everything. But you don't only do that in Denmark, do you? So do you have any international speaking engagements as well? Uh, not uh, at the moment, no. Uh, but we are branching out in English. We've done, uh, uh, like I said, Nine Land Facts in Danish and we're branching out uh, in uh, in English as well. We have to do that. 
we would like to uh, to do some uh, lectures uh, abroad uh, in Europe, of course. So if anyone is willing to contact us, they are free to do so. We are very uh, approachable. Let's just wink at our listeners. Wink, wink, wink. Wink, wink. Yes, wink, <laughs> wink, wink, wink. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there are several um, international events coming up in the future, so there might be someone who 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 is interested. It would be very nice to hear you talk um, at a at a conference. Klaus, what's what's your view on international collaboration among the skeptics? I, I think you you're already you are very you blog in the in English and you've been to the America, but how do how do we as a movement move forward internationally? We network, that is the key. Uh, we acknowledge that uh, everybody uh, has their own agenda, but we seek we find uh, the ways to uh, where can we meet and collaborate. Does it make sense to collaborate? And if not, that's fine. If uh, some group is interested in doing some kind of work, for instance, with a, a specific psychic, we could benefit a lot from drawing on uh, each other where it's relevant. And if it's not, that's fine. I don't think that... Um, I think we, uh, the, the organization as such uh, is on it, the right path. We have a lot of uh, nations, uh, countries come uh, joining in, but they are separate and uh, independent, but they're working together where, where possible. And we need that uh, sense of collaboration and networking throughout Europe. That so, would be a strong uh, factor for success. Yeah, so by the organization, you mean the European Council of Skeptical Organizations, EXO? Yes, Okay. exactly. Okay, which uh, you are a member of. Yes. Right? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. So, Klaus, where can our listeners find out more about the Danish skepticism and about your work as well? Uh, well, I'm not alone, of course, but uh, they can go to skeptica.dk, S-K-E-P-T-I-C-A dot D-K. That's uh, Skeptica, and they can go to skepticreport.com. Uh, that should be easy. Or they can go to 911facts.tk or have uh, contact uh, forms uh, and be, feel free to contact us. Uh, we are usually in a good mood. Uh, so we we strive to answer all, uh, all people who uh, contact us. And now you're also on Twitter. No, no. <laughs> uh, Twitter is good for, apparently it's, it's very good for Trump and it's all, also very yeah. bad for him. No, uh, I, I think that t- Twitter is a good way of communicating one way to a lot of people. But it's uh, usually uh, people get uh, dragged into some uh, exchanges that are not uh, really beneficial uh, or constructive or anything like that. So uh, Twitter, not so much yet, but maybe facebook is a pretty good way of reaching out to people that seems to be the social platform for now and that's where we're gonna uh, continue working together uh with other skeptics uh with this uh with the exo members and non-members as well but i'm afraid this kind of wraps up our interview so klaus Thank you very much for uh, accepting our invitation. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much. And we really hope we can meet up with you at some point uh, in 
one of the countries, the beautiful countries across Europe uh, at a skeptical event. Yes. I'll be looking forward to it. Thank you very much again. Bye-bye. 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 Bye. Bye. This was our pre-recorded interview, and now we're back to QED. Still at QED. And uh, I'm afraid we won't be able to stay along, uh, uh, around for too long. So We, we have to run and get ready for run. the gala dinner yeah, and, yeah, and make sure that we're not overly excited, which is really hard because I'm already very excited. So. Should we restrain you in any way? Oh, by the way, by the way, um, we need to dress up properly, but we are dressed up properly oh, yeah. because we do have... Our magic t-shirts. Identical <laughs> magic ESP t-shirts. Just like any geeks would yeah. want so to have magic t-shirts. We're officially yeah. now a um, visible group, mm. a visible minority here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. if any of you are time travelers and can move back in time to where we are now, when you listen to this, just move back in time to where you are now, feel free to stalk us, to contact us and talk to us because we, a lot of people are doing that already and we love that, it's great. Yeah, and uh, yeah, this is the moment where I, I'd like to thank everyone who did that. Um, it's it's a great experience. It's been lovely, and uh, looking forward to seeing yeah. everyone else yeah, uh, who's interested in it. Yeah, I want to say thank you as well. Thanks for yeah. coming and saying hello. And it's always great to know who your listeners are, and um, you know, just meet the audience. Yeah, we are having difficulties recording uh, short interviews, but we are planning on doing that uh, tonight in the bar, yeah. uh, just grabbing people and uh, and for 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 a short uh, round of of uh, introductions and stuff. So yeah, look forward to that when uh, when we are ready to publish them on the next uh, upcoming shows. So I'm afraid we need to go now. Thank you very much for joining me. It's so great having having you here being here with you uh that's just an amazing experience indeed so yeah. thank you very much All thank right. you thanks thanks bye, bye. bye. goodbye this has been your esp experience the show is produced and recorded by the esp.eu Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Good. Okay. All right. So I don't think I'm gonna use the, use the, <laughs> the music this time. All right. Okay. Okay. Dim 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 dim. Good.